Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. We got something really, really, really special for you tonight. I feel like I'm saying that a lot often lately, but I really mean it this time. We've got none other than Bengals writer Jeff Bush Hobson coming on to the show, Orange is the New Black, tonight. This is a big, big thing for us. Jeff, can you please talk to the people, let them know how you're feeling tonight? This is a big thing for me. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but it's big for me to because I know you guys you guys have the ear of Bengaldom. So I'm anxious to uh, to talk with you. Definitely, definitely. So kicking it off, obviously today the Bengals, and as we're recording this, this is Wednesday, April 7th. If you're watching this, it's probably on Thursday. But as of today, the Bengals had released uh, Giovanni Bernard. Jeff, what were your thoughts on that, and, and what do you think went into that decision? Yeah, I was uh, thinking about that, uh, guys, just uh, thinking the last three weeks, that's three captains they've released. Uh, Gino, uh, AJ didn't get released, but he signed with Arizona, and now Gio. So it tells me there's a real there's a real shift going on in the locker room, you know. Uh, it also tells me, you know, they got a little tight under the, ca- under the cap with uh, probably more than $30 million in salary cap dollars this year. Now, I don't think they were clearing any room, but I think they're getting ready for, you know, you got to, you know, August and September coming. That only means to me that's Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard. So right. I'm thinking they're going to give both guys a serious run to extend, and we're probably talking at a we're probably talking a pair of fifty million dollar contracts. So uh, you know, there's uh, there's things to be done, and uh, tough to lose uh, the man. You know, Geo's uh, terrific on and off the field. Right. Um, you know. Uh, one of the most inspiring players in Bengals history and one of the most productive. I mean, you know, uh, tough to lose, tough to lose a guy like that. But uh, even he said today, I talked to him a couple hours ago and he said, you know, the numbers just didn't add up. It's a business. And, uh, you know, uh, I think they tried to, I think they tried to renegotiate, maybe get a lower number. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, but, uh, you know, classy, uh, I think they were both uh, classy on both ends there. And um, it's tough, but I do think it does underscore where we're headed. I mean, that leaves Tyler Boyd as the most tenured player on offense, 71 games. You know, Uh, Jordan Evans is the most tenured guy on defense, 60 So, you know, the guys who have played the most Bengals games. So, you know, with Joe Joe Burrow coming in for a second year, you know, Hubbard, Bates, Boyd, uh, Mixon, you know, that's your new leadership council right there. That's that's new stripes. Let me ask you this. Why do you feel as though I know you and I read your article uh, listed that you put out earlier. Why do you feel as though they waited that long to, you know, to, to figure that out if they were close or they felt like they were trying to restructure the contract and maybe it didn't make sense? Why do you think that they waited this long? Well, I think. You know, I you know I don't know if they waited. I mean, I think they were uh, trying to work with them, try to see. I think trying to also see what else was out there. You know, I'm sure they tried to work a trade. So you know, there are a lot of things going on, a lot of balls in the air. Um, 
I think Gio is going to get his shot. You know, I don't think uh, he doesn't seem miffed by the timing. I think they. That was my next question. Yeah, no, he. You know, I think he he knows he's going to get a shot, and uh, and I don't think, like I said, I think the whole thing was a mutual thing. Hey, you know, we'll try to make it work for you. Didn't work. Let's move on. So. I guess from the outside in, for me, just looking at someone who did everything the right way, yeah. it just kind of strikes me as that the timing of it isn't – it doesn't maximize its potential in the open market is is the thing I'm saying. And I think mm-hmm. you would have you figured that out before that the numbers didn't add up. I just thought the timing of it was a little curious. But well, you said I mean, GL didn't feel anyway. No, no. I mean, and I – you know, who knows? Maybe coming out now is better than coming out with everybody else. I mean, too, you know, you get that secondary market, too. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a – I mean, I I didn't get any – I didn't really get that from Gio, and I don't – you know, I I think – I don't even think you would get that from Gio, right? right? Class act. And I think, think like, Jeff hinted at, too, and we knew this when we we heard the report weeks ago. I think everybody forgot about it. They came out with the report saying that teams were calling about Gio. So maybe it was potentially that behind the scenes they were trying to make something work out and and seeing what they could do. And maybe the offers that they were getting for him probably weren't beneficial. And maybe it could be – and this is just pure speculation, but let's say they wanted to trade him to a team that he didn't want to be on. Gio could easily simply say, like, no, I'd rather, you know, be released and – Put, and essentially pick where my next destination is going to be at, too. So I think, like Jeff is saying, it, it probably was just a mutual parting of ways, and maybe they tried to do some some things behind the scene, but it just – this was, I guess, the, the best resolution to it. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I guess behind the scenes, we, we, we won't know, I guess, that point. But uh, just piggybacking off of that, and you, you kind of alluded to the change in the guards – what do you see the impact of Gio, you know, being released as it as it goes for this team going into the draft? Because from from my end, I'm looking at now they're at about 24 uh, mil um, under the cap. So yeah, they got to do those two contracts that you talked about. But where does that lead them when you say they're not done? Where does that lead them with free agency and their new approach maybe to the NFL draft? Well, yeah, I'm not sure they've got that. I'm I'm not sure they've got that uh, much left, but because I think what they're doing now is they're trying to find guys at at, at the right price, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think as Duke Tobin said a couple of days ago, they're not looking to add a name just for a name if they think the guy's a legitimate upgrade. So it's been a little bit quiet on that front, you know. Um, you know, I think where they're headed, I think that's that's I think what you're looking at is. Uh, the draft, and then I think you're looking at extensions, you know. And um, do you and think I, that? Do you, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to cut you off. Do, do you think they look at a running back position earlier, or do you think they're satisfied with P. Ryan and Mixon? I think they like what they got there. Really, I think uh, I think they like P. Ryan. That's why they signed him to a two year deal. I think the coaches like what they saw, you know, uh, late in the year, um, where you know he, he had the 95 against Houston. Not a great defense, but. You know, he looked good, and I think they feel like he can protect. You know, Gio was tremendous at protecting the passer. One of the best blitz pickuppers in the league. Um, and I think they feel like P. Ryan can also protect on third down. So, you know, I think uh, I think they feel pretty good there. They also have Travion Williams. Uh, they've got, and I think they really haven't seen, you know, Patrick is an intriguing guy, 230-pounder, 30, 30 the rookie last year that made the uh, – um, 
came from the other league, and I believe he was on the practice squad all last year. Now, you know, so I, I can't – I really don't see them going after anybody. If they do, it would be late in the draft, I would think. But right. I, think they feel, I think they feel pretty good at running back. One of the reasons they made the move with Gio. Friend of the show, Drakkar's Patrick, by the way. Another thing that I want to ask you, Jeff, is – we're good at running back, but what about H back? Like they let Seathan Carter go. Right. What is what is really the plan for you know that H back fullback position? Is there anything that you're kind of hinting at? Is that something that they may address in the draft or just sign the guy or or how do they want to do that position? Well, the way they work it, I mean, is you know it's a tight end, and I think they they like Uzama and Sample. You know, they don't they don't use double tights very much. They usually use one tight end. And they seem pretty, you know, Uzama played seven quarters with Burrow and seemed to have a pretty good rapport with him. Uh, you know, when Sample came on, I thought Sample came on and had a pretty solid second half of the year as a second-year guy. So I, I think they feel I think they feel all right at tight end, too. So when you say they feel uh, comfortable at tight end, right, so one of the things is that I'm not a traditionalist in the draft. You know, like I, I go by a little bit of what history tells me. Uh, to me, what what someone like a Kyle Pitts offers is far more than what a traditional tight end offers, right? That's not who I think the Bengals would pick. Yeah. But just based off of what you know, is that someone that they would even entertain? Like even if – like let's say it's a tradeback scenario or something and they go back to number eight, number nine, something like that. Do you even think they even look at tight end at this one? Yeah, that's what I, I did a scenario on my mock draft where I call around the league and have have the various beat reporters mock the draft, and uh, that's what I did. But that was before Carolina traded for Donald. Right. I, I went to eight. I went to eight to pick up their second rounder, which gave me thirty eight and thirty nine. Went to eight. Chase and Sewell were gone, so I went with. I mean, I'm not a big taking a tight end that high because right. it just hasn't panned out down through the years why i don't know um you know it's it's kind of a it's kind of a flighty position you know each tight end is used differently in each offense you have to adjust whereas you stick in a sewell or a chase boom they're going to be playing a position they played in college you know but yeah i mean you're right uh zim you know pitts is pitts is a guy you don't see come along very often you know uh zach taylor's an offensive guy you know, I'm sure he's salivating in a weapon like Pitts, you know. But, um, you know, where that, you know, where that fits in with what this team needs right now at this point in time, that has to be considered too. Definitely, definitely. So one thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, Hobbs, is sometimes a lot of people think that you aren't super critical about the Bengals, but I have heard when you first started, it was the exact opposite. I heard that. You know, you were very critical of the Bengals. How do you feel about people that, like, say that about you, that you're just giving out lip service from from wherever it's coming from? Because I've been told that that wasn't the case when you first started. Yeah, I'll tell you what I told people 20 years ago when I took the job, 21 years ago now, uh, 21 years ago next week, um, trying to cover the team the best way I can, you know. Uh, obviously, I work for the team, but I try, I, I try to – tell both sides of the story i mean i uh um you know and uh, everybody's got a everybody's got an opinion on what their side of the story is and that's that's fine um i just do the i just try to i just try to just try to write what i see and the you know uh, get get every you know uh 
No, there's I mean, when I took the job, Mike Mike Brown said, "I just want our side of the story out there." Well, it's his website, so sure, you probably you know, yeah, put his side. You know, I like to try to cover it from both angles. You know, yeah. I mean, what you know, it's not what I you know. I mean, I'm trying to cover what they're doing. I'm trying to cover how they're thinking about the draft. I'm trying to cover how, who they think is good. Who cares what I think about Penny Sewell? I don't, I don't, I don't, who, who cares what I think about Penny Sewell? I, I want to know what Frank Pollock thinks about Penny Sewell. I want to know what Steve Rizovic thinks about Penny Sewell or what Duke Tobin. Now they don't tell you, but you gotta, you know, you gotta work to try and find out what it is. I mean, who cares what I think about Jamar Chase? I care. I care, Joe. I care. I'm not making the pick. You know what I mean? But I care. You know, based on your 21 years with the team, knowing what works, knowing what doesn't work, people value your opinion. And I think you know, no matter how – and I understand your perspective because it's not up to you to figure out ways to criticize or figure out ways – on why something doesn't work when right. it's not your business. It's your job to cover it, right? Right. But based off of your experience, is Penny Sewell the person that you would take at number five? I mean, I would because I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm an offensive, you know, I'm an offensive line guy, you know, but geez, I don't know what the, I mean, that's my personal, that's my personal preference, but I mean, I'm not making the call, you know, and I, it's certainly no shot at Jamad Chase. Who is? I mean, I talked to Kevin Coyle, who's the old Bengals secondary coach, who you know has uh, is now a defensive analyst at LSU, and uh, saw Chase every day. I mean, he loves the guy. I mean, you know, I mean, after talking to you know, he, I mean, he, he says he's a can't miss guy. You know, who? I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, you're, we, you're, you're you know, looking I mean, at captain. You're looking at the captain of Team Chase. Captain of Team. Yeah, I know this. Uh, uh, <laughs> the war is. The Civil War is raging, and you guys had Fort Sumter, I guess, last week. Right, right. <laughs> I just we don't want to be. I just don't want to be around for Gettysburg, you know. <laughs> uh, so, so you mean to tell you're not on team? You're not on team Sewell Part Two because you know that's coming. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I'm just going to cover <laughs> mathematics. You know, I'm just going to cover the end of it. I'm just going to cover the end of the end, end of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, uh, you know, you've been there. You guys have seen this team. You know, when this team is at its best. Right. It's, it's when Levi Jones was at left. It's when Willie Anderson was at right. It's when Whitworth was at left. It's when Andre Smith was at right. Okay, that's why Carson Palmer was able to come in and make an impact. Levi Jones on the left, Willie Anderson on the right. It's why Andy Dalton and A.J. Green were able to – I mean, that was a mess right. in 2011, right? right. There, was, there was a lockout. Dalton and Green never saw the coach – couldn't talk to the coach, never mind – Having a COVID test, I mean, he, they couldn't talk to the they couldn't talk to the coaches. At least these guys could do a Zoom call. Green right. and Dalton, right? They walk in and they go nine and seven. Why? Whitworth on the left, Smith on the right. right. So I mean, that's one of the big reasons. So personally, from what I've seen, you know, I mean, I got, I was at the tail end uh, of the their run in ninety and ninety one and ninety two, and when they didn't have Munoz and when they didn't have Joe Walter. Things started to turn. So, yeah, so put me down for Sewell, I guess. But. <laughs> put him down. <laughs> but I love Jamaic Chase, though. I, I, I love Panay Sewell. And I, I even tweeted earlier today, this is how you get people like Team Chase involved with it, is when I, when I think about the teams that just swept the division, it's that they ran the football 
and they ran the football effectively. And a lot of people this past year told me so many times, Jim, they can't run the football or whatever. And I was like, well, damn it, you better keep on running till you get really, really good at it. And, yeah, if, well. you, and, and if you draft Panay Sewell, the, the solution that I would have is be very, very good and be elite at that position group and turn it to a position of strength and come back again and draft another offensive alignment because the amount of guards that will be there in the second and the third round are at an all-time high to me. So the reason why I'm Team Chase is because I feel so strong about the guard play in the second and the third. But if you give me Penesua, I say, cool, let's change the game plan. Let's block. Burrow doesn't get touched. I want to run 28 times a game. I never want to throw more than 30, and I'm, and I'm going to go through the division that way. If they just get Penesua, this is how I think it could fall flat on his face. You get Panay Sewell, say he goes out with a minor injury, say he has some learning curves, you're right back at square one with the same personnel that you had before. And that's the reason why I think a lot of Team Chase people aren't as high on Sewell as, like, maybe yourself. And I, I just want to piggyback off of what we said before. I truly appreciate Jeff's perspective because he's giving you the Bengals' perspective. A lot of people right. – may not know exactly what the Bengals are thinking. And I think Jeff does a great job of, of tempering expectations so that people aren't just running all over the place with just random hot takes. He's actually giving the real thing there. But well, Jeff, I, what I, I'm, yeah, I'm just really, I mean, they, they don't, they don't tell me much. I'm, I'm trying to work it just like all the other guys, but I've had the benefit of seeing them do it for so long. Right. You know what I mean? So that's only, that's, you know, it's just uh, it's nothing like experience. Right. No, right. Correct. So, Jeff, I've got to ask you, I ask everyone when they come on the show, and we talked about this before the show, usually I ask for a top five, but you said that you want to do a Mount Rushmore of your favorite Bengals. So if you could provide that Mount Rushmore uh, for everyone listening, we'd love to hear it. Paul Brown, Anthony Munoz, Ken Anderson, A.J. Green. I love it. A.J. Yeah. AJ is that guy. He's on the cover of his book too. So that's uh yeah. if he's, you know, I mean that's if he's on the cover of my book, I'm gonna put him on the Mount on, on Mount Rushmore. Didn't even think about that. You know, I, I, just, mean, also, I just you know, it's also oh no, go ahead, Zim. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I, I just I didn't think you would say AJ. I didn't I that yeah. caught me off guard a little bit. Think about AJ, because it kind of goes beyond the performance on the field too. Right, right. You know, Paul Brown, obviously. Anthony, best at his position, but also one of the great human beings. Ken Anderson played such an important position. I mean, he was, you know, the guy won four NFL passing titles. Everybody who's, who's done that has been in the Hall of Fame, you know, right. clearly. And then, but AJ, too, not only one, really uh, a great receiver, one of the best receivers in the decade that he played, but also he set the tone for that team. If you remember, and it kind of goes back to that 2011. He was a little bit, uh, you know, the previous decade, you know, been kind of drama every day. You know what I mean? It was, uh, if it wasn't this, it was that, you know. I mean, Chad was kind of, in a, you know, Chad was great, great player, but he brought, you know, there was, it was just, it was a different style, you know. Right. When AJ showed up, he brought his style and he kind of, you know, he was their version of no, no drama Obama, you know. He kind of, he was a different guy. He brought a different approach and he kind of, kind of set the tone that way, you know, and like Andrew Hawkins said it so well, the, the day that uh, the day that AJ signed in Arizona, I talked to Hawk for a story I did, and he was saying just AJ's personality 
he was, you know, he's such a great player, but the way he went about it, you know, he went about and, and Hawkins said, how could anybody on offense not, you know, go hard all the time or to, you know, just not have an ego, you know, not, he didn't have an ego. He goes, and then I was, you know, and that was, that was that, that those no ego Bengals, you know, 2011, 2012, you know, made five, those no ego guys made five straight playoffs and won two division titles. And I'm not saying the previous decade, the ego guys, it was, they were, they were a good blend of guys too, but it was just a different, it was a different mixture. And AJ kind of said, so, so that's, that's why he's on the rush more for me because just kind of what he did, what his, what his personality and approach to the game meant to that decade of Bengals football. No, for sure, for sure. So you talked about the previous decade. I have to ask you because this is just something that I wonder, and I'm not saying that you would know the answer to this, but obviously there are some bad feelings about Carson Palmer. Do you ever see an instance where there will ever be like any kind of reunion or any kind of thing where he comes back, maybe it's 10 years from now? Because, you know, a lot of fans are are still feeling some of those emotions, but it seemed that when they did the special last year with Carson Palmer and and uh, Chad Johnson kind of reuniting and them connecting with Joe Burrow, it kind of seemed to get some positive reception. So from your perspective, do you ever think that that is a possibility? Time heals all. Time heals all. Um, you know, I don't, you know, not something that's ever talked about, but I, you know, like I say, time heals everything. I would not be surprised, you know, would not be surprised to see Carson Palmer show up at Paul Brown Stadium. I wouldn't, you know, he'd, he'd be, you know, wouldn't, you know, one of the great Bengals of all time. Right. You know, I've never, I've this is the first time I thought about it, but you know, he's right. certainly been gracious to me. He's always returned my phone calls. He's been, you know, he's been fine with me. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I. Who know? Who knows? Like I say, time heals all. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. Um. I guess if we're talking quarterbacks and we're talking about Carson Palmer and we're talking Ken Anderson uh, earlier, now is this guy named Joe Burrow. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's he's been around here lately. And um, can you speak to I guess in the last two de- in the last two decades, as far as what you've seen thus far, how does Joe Burrow compare to the quarterbacks that maybe you had faith in in, in Carson's heyday? Maybe you had a tremendous amount of faith in Ken Anderson's, uh, you know, heyday. Like, how do they? How does Joe compare to those guys? I'm kind of at a, I'm kind of at a disadvantage because I wasn't around him last year because of COVID. Right. Just, just saw him on Zoom conferences and saw him in the games. So you really, you know, I had a feel for Palmer. I had a feel for Dalton. I had a feel for Boomer because I, because I covered one of his teams. But I can tell you just from watching Joe and what, talking to his teammates and talking to him, um, the guy's got the guy's got it. You know what I mean? I think he's got it's clearly what we saw on the field game against Cleveland at home. Um, you know the um, right the, the two wins against Tennessee and Jacksonville should have won. You know if the guy week one week one the the Chargers. You know the opener. I mean who. I mean, what great player like A.J. Green gets that call against him in the last seven seconds? So I think we've seen enough from Joe that he's the real deal. And he's a different, you know, he's a different kind of quarterback than, you know, he's a different kind of quarterback than anybody we've really had here, you know. I mean, he's he's very athletic, you know. He's uh, moves around. 
but you know he's got a uh, got a great intermediate accuracy. You know, kind you know he's kind of like the kind of the best of it. You know, he's got kind of the best of everything. He's got the Heisman pedigree at Carson. Right. You know, he's got the winning toughness of Dalton. You know, um, he's got the he's got the personality of Boomer. You know, I mean, uh, if we could give him Blake's long ball, yeah. which I think, which I think he will, <laughs> which I think he will get eventually. Yeah. You know, but I do think he looks to me like he's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of everything. You, you know what sold me, and I can't wait till you get around him, and maybe you could, you know, talk to Ace and just tell him, you know, like I just want to know about like your first interactions, like me. One of the things that I did before they ever drafted him is I just watched interviews. And he has this cold stillness to him. Yeah. And I've been around a lot of people that have that or, – or not a lot of people, but very few people that have this cold stillness to them that they won't accept failure. And it's very few people I ever remember. I could count them probably on one hand and maybe use another finger. And I just feel like he represents something that the city needs that I don't think even on the, on the field – is something that a lot of people take into account for. And I can't wait to see, like, you know, how you feel about it when you get a chance to, like, look him in the eye. Because I think you're going to see something very, very special. He's the old, He may be the ultimate Paul Brown player, uh, act like you've been there before, you know? Kind of like uh, a nice little counter to Baker Mayfield's preening and dancing and careening around the, uh, the field, you know? Uh, you know, uh, I think uh, – I like his personality because I think his I think his teammates loved him. You know, I thought he was terrific. Uh, thought he really stepped up during the social justice stuff. Right. Uh, you know, and I think he really did really connected with his teammates. I think he connected with the city. Um, you know, I, I I I I've been you know, and I I wish I had been around him because I've really been impressed with him as much really with the stuff he's done off the field to really establish himself as a good teammate. And I, I think he gets it. He gets what the position means, which is very important because some guys don't, and it can kill you. But this guy, you know, not only does he understand, you know, not only does he have the physical stuff to do it, but he knows what he's got to be. Right, Zim, did you have a follow-up for that? Because I have. I I mean, he pretty much said it, but one thing I hadn't thought about is, yeah, when some of the social reform stuff was first – you know, like the first tweet that he put out, I almost oh. forgot about that. You know, like right. time is so crazy. Like, you know, th- that was very big. And mm-hmm. as you were talking, it's something I think that a lot of Bengals fans need to pay attention to is that I feel like he can unify a lot of like, I know we're having fun with Team Sewell versus Team Chase and stuff like that. He's the one guy, if he came out right now, it just said, this is what we're going to do, guys. I think everybody just says, all right, Joe. We're going that way. Like, I just feel like he unifies, like, so many different audiences because he's not the celebratory, like you say, like Baker Mayfield, whatever. I'm pretty sure Joe will be excellent in commercials. Like, he's going to kill it. But he doesn't have that for, like, some of our older fans or whatever. I don't think that they're, they're, they're going to love the way that he celebrates and how he's gracious when it, whenever he has success. And then he also ties in younger players, uh, younger fans like myself or fans even younger than me because he's just cool as hell. Yeah. He yes. is cool as he is cool as hell. There's that's definitely. No that's definitely. Yeah. 
So one one item that we're working on right now is uh, obviously the Ken Riley documentary. Obviously, there's a campaign to get him into the Hall of Fame. And uh, if people don't know, you're very integral in that process. So for you, who are some some Bengals that you could just throw out that you say are deserving of the Hall of Fame? Obviously, Ken Riley has to be one, and Willie Anderson is. Are there any other ones that you would say should be at least in consideration for the Hall of Fame? Oh, Ken Anderson by far. Should be. I mean, he should be. I mean, he should be in. Ken Riley should be in. Willie Anderson should be in. Three guys, no debate. You know. I also think Isaac Curtis. I I don't think he's a debate either. But I mean, uh, you'd have to. I mean, Kenny, the two Kennys and Willie, it's stone cold. Uh, Isaac, you might have to debate it. But uh, I mean, you know, there's a guy that changed the game for God's sake. Paul Brown went to the competition committee and said, get him to change the rules because Isaac Curtis was so good. You know, um, more more touchdowns and more catches than Lynn Swan and a longer yards per catch than John Stallworth. Uh, that's my man, Ike. And then you go to, uh, I think, another guy, Corey Dillon, I think, is a guy that, uh, you know, mm. I, I, I don't think he's borderline. I think he's a guy. It, it, if you're going to put in Terrell Davis and if you're going to put in Edgren James, uh, you got to put in this guy. Right. Dillon, right. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he led one team. He's one team's all-time rusher, the Bengals. And he's the and he's another team's I think all time single season leader, the Patriots, who that's the reason the reason for one of those Tom Brady rings one of the seven is uh, should have Corey Dillon's name on it because uh, he got him that one right so uh, you know those are you know you can talk about Chad I I don't think Chad gets mentioned you know we lose you know Chad gets uh, people forget about Chad. Chad was a hell of a player um, there's only there's only one receiver in this century that won a conference receiving yardage title four times in a row, Chad Johnson. The only other guy who ever did it is Jerry Rice. So people forget about uh, people forget about that about how good Chad was because of all the other stuff he brought. But you know those are just those are just some of the names that ought to be you know Willie the two Kennys are stone cold should be in. So should Isaac, but you'd have to debate it. You'd have to you'd have to debate it. But uh, you know, and Corey, you'd probably have to debate it. But those are you know, those are a couple guys. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I guess from us, you wouldn't you wouldn't hit any any pushback from us because you know I'm I'm all for. What do you think? Guys. Is anybody else? I mean, I mean, no, no, for, for the hall, that's it. And, and for me, well, you know what? And I forget. AJ is like. Well, what about Harris? I mean, absolutely. Like, that's that's he should be. He's he's a stone cold. He should be in there too. I right. mean, uh, uh, eight Pro Bowls, um, and I think he's had the best. I think he had the longest punt return average still since since the merger. I think. Um, so you know, for one season, my gut tells me the only way that thirty percent of those guys get in though, or the Bengals like have success right now. Do you think that's any relevance to that? I do. I do. Unfortunately, I do think that's uh, true with the voters. I mean, I, I'm the vote. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm the Cincinnati voter on the Hall of Fame committee. There's, uh, I want to say there's four, there's 48 selectors. Uh, there's 30. There's, there's one from each town, 32, and then there's 16. Um, there's 16 at large votes. So yeah, I do think these. I think I do think it. Uh, if your team's hot, that helps you. 
I do, and it shouldn't, obviously, but I do think right. that they, uh, you know, they probably got a better shot if things are going well for the uh, for the parent, you know, for the present club. Definitely, definitely. Well, Jeff, we appreciate you stopping by. We truly appreciate you spending this time with us. Uh, let people know, obviously, if they don't know where to find your stuff, I don't know why they're even watching <laughs> this, but let people know where they can find your stuff and what they can look forward to coming from uh, Jeff Hobson and Bengals.com. Uh, I appreciate it. That's 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 where I've been living for the last 21 years. That's my address, Bengals.com. Um, I do tw- – I don't I – don't, I mean, I pretty much only tweet those story links – uh, Jeff Hobson Sin, C-I-N, uh, on Twitter. I pretty much only tweet tweet the links, and uh, but that's uh, you know we got a lot of stuff going on here. There's um, coming up with the draft, so uh, we'll try to uh, we'll try to delve into that. Uh, I'll try not to give you my opinion. I'll try to give you what they. <laughs> I would love to hear. I like hearing your opinion. I mean, I like hearing this opinion. I'd rather hear your guys' guys opinion. Well, you know where we're at. I know. I know you got Chase. What do you got, Ace? I got Sue. I got. I got. I got a rep team. I'm not opposed to Chase, though. I'm not opposed to Chase either. But for me, is I'm. If I had to order it, I'd probably say Panay. I'd even say Pitts and then Chase. I think either way, though, I'm good with all three. Yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm probably good with all. Three, you know, but I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to turn away any either of the any of those guys. And just because I said I'm on Team Sewell doesn't mean I don't love Chase. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> I, I can see a path like either way, but they gotta, you gotta go in and you, you can't have. Think about the trade down, though. Think about the trade down. What if you get three? What if you get three players in the top fifty? Then yeah, then you could sell me on uh, a bunch of guys, honestly, because because right. to me, but that that's the thing about having a top five pick, and I think that's what right. Duke Tobin was alluding to is like we yeah. don't want to get ourselves out of getting an elite talent, yeah. and the drop off like it's a pool that goes from like eight to like twenty something where you could kind of sell me on a bunch of guys like it's wow, really, it, it, it it's pretty wide for me once I get past the eight nine. Well, it's like Ace. I was talking to Ace. So I was talking to somebody today who said, "Hey, where did they get Leon Hall? Where did they get Jonathan Joseph? Where did they get yes. Jermaine Gresham? Where did they get Eifert?" They got We can do, do it that way and stack it up. Hey, as you were saying this about Twitter or whatever the other day, because I was just I said that the other I said that last year, right? And I didn't tweet it all. My one challenge to you: This is my first time ever speaking to you. I want you tomorrow to wake up and randomly just tweet whatever comes to your mind. Do it. <laughs> just, just say something. Like, it, I'm, I'm not saying it has to be something shock. You could just say, "I just had the best cup of coffee today," and I bet you people will go crazy off that tweet. Oh, they would love it if Jeff tweeted I'm something. You, just say something. Like, I want to see. Like, I'm petrified. I'm petrified of Twitter. Do you? Do you? I used to be too. When people mention you, do you actually see the mentions, or you just don't no. respond to them? I, I, I did that for one month in 2009. Worst mm-hmm. month of my life. Really? Okay, yeah. 2009 is one of my favorite teams, too. I, I, y'all were talking about teams earlier? Or oh, yeah. That in between 2009. Division oh, team of all time. Love that team. Best best team of all time. Cedric Benson. Love Cedric oh, Benson. Love Cedric Love Benson. Love Cedric Benson. He was, he was like, he was like, he was like the, the, he was the, the, the symbol of that team. He'd been, He'd been he'd been left for you know his career was on the trash heap and he showed him exactly what he was all about just like that entire team did Zimmer was like that you know he didn't get a you know he get he get kicked to the side in Atlanta right. uh, Crocker 
Crocker was left for dead. He'd been cut by Miami. You know, um, it, it was. Uh, it, oh, I love that. That was a great team, man. I'm right with you, Zim. That was a great team. Great, and, great and, team. And, and it was, uh, man. It was a. Uh, uh, oh man, when Chris Henry died, and they had to deal with that, and and it was just uh, Zim Zim's uh, wife died. I mean, it was just uh, yeah. uh It was. It was yeah. an amazing run. It was an amazing run. It really was. I'm right with you on that one. Definitely, for sure. Is that, was there anything that you wanted to? Just keep on supporting guys like Jeff doing his job, people. Don't Appreciate go on his Twitter. Don't go on his Twitter mentions giving him hell. He's with us. He's with yeah, us. Be nice. Be nice, guys. <laughs> All right. I, I I love the fan. The fans are the best. I love them. Um, that's just that just that's just comes with the territory, man. This comes with territory. Bengals.com, as always, make sure you check us out. Uh, Ace at New Stripe City on YouTube. Check me out, Zimhude on Twitter, Zim underscore Hude on Instagram, Zimhude.com. Ace, it has been real doing this with the legend himself, Jeff Bush Hobson. Is there anything you want to close it out with? <laughs> the only thing that I have to close it out with is a yes. Sersky! Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any.